This is Rewired Radio with Erica Spiegelman, addiction and wellness specialist, motivational speaker, and author, helping individuals, couples, and families regain a sense of control, leading to personal growth, wellness, and a more fulfilling life. Here's Erica Spiegelman. Welcome, every one of you. Have you ever tried to something once and then really didn't like it and resolved never to do it again or kind of wrote it off? For many people, that's a natural reaction. And my guest today, Chidima Ozar, took a different approach to this. Ten years ago, she tried a yoga class and really didn't like it. Fast forward a month, and after a significant spiritual experience she ex- she went through, Chidima tried yoga again and opened up up to it in a completely new way and it led her on a path that was really amazing in her life. So Chidima now is a certified yoga instructor, a wellness warrior, and she yearns to inspire change in others. Uh, I spoke with her last week. I was on her podcast and she is such an amazing woman helping so many people realize their potential. And she works as a founder of the Type A Hippie and helps people face their, you know, all, all their battles and teaches them how to empower themselves and ready, really thrive in their lives. So, Chidima, welcome to the show. I'm so honored to have you with me and so excited to get to talk to you again. Thank you so much, Erica. I'm really excited to be on Wired. Yeah. So, well, I know, as I, as I explained, I mean, there's many things that you do do, but you're the founder of the Type A Hippie, um, and that's the company you've created. Can you explain a little bit about the name? I The minute that I actually was connected to, I was like, huh, how interesting. I love this. And we never got to talk about that. So, Absolutely. Yes. So the type of hippie seems to describe me and countless others. Uh, when I was thinking of a name for a company, I was like, what really resonates with me? What hits my soul? And what is something that I can bring other people along on this journey and this path with me? so that we can live life alongside one another. And the type A hippie just kind of came to mind because, Erica, I am very type A in many, many <laughs> respects. And I think you and I have so many similarities. And I'm so hippie in others. And so it was the perfect justi- juxtaposition, I felt, yeah. that really fit me. I-, I love it. It's a duality. And I think so many of us actually struggle okay. with the fact that we are so many things, we're all very dynamic people, you know? And so I think in our society too, which we always, which we'll get to, because you and I both speak about this, the labels that are put on us. And it's kind of like, if I'm type A, I can't really be spiritual and free spirited and open-minded, you know, because people think of type A people as a little bit more rigid. I mean, just for our our audience and people that are listening, what what is type A? Because not everybody understands that term. Sure. So type A seems to be, when I look it up, type A compared to type B. So type A people tend to be very rigid um, mm-hmm. in terms of their work style, their work product, how they communicate, whereas type B is the opposite, so a little bit more relaxed approach. And I'll paint this picture for you all so that you see what I mean. So mm-hmm. I was a clinical health coach for four years at a primary care office, and we're very innovative. I'm still with the company. I've been with the company five years. And so what we do is we provide a new model of primary care to our patients. So each patient gets a primary care doctor, and then they also get a clinical health coach, which was my previous role. Now, Uh 
when I went on vacation, so the first time, so I'll, t- I'll tell you that my patients tended to be the sickest patients. So every morning we do a huddle. We run through the names of all of our patients to ensure we're taking the best care of them. It's a team approach. There are no offices. You won't know who a doc is, a behavioral health specialist is, or health coach. And so on that particular day, Erica, I had, there were 12 patients that were in critical uh, condition, and eight of them were mine. And Mm. so I had a lot going on, and I was going on a week-long vacation that I had worked hard for, I had earned, and I was going. And when I Mm -hmm. went, I call it PTO, PTO, um, I do not think about work. Because that's me, self-care, right? And what is so, PTO? Um, PTO is paid time off. I call it PTO. Um, <laughs> paid time off. Because, okay, just, so, just right. so we understand. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So when I am away from work, I am away from work because I think that's incredibly healthy. Yeah. And so I created a contingency plan, a travel contingency plan. And I laid out exactly what was happening with each of my patients, if they had any um, scheduled procedures, if they were hospitalized, if they were going to be discharged during my absence, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Any follow-up specialty appointments if they were coming to see us. And so towards the end of my tenure, people would joke and say, Chidima, you didn't send us a contingency plan uh, for your patients, you know. Um, especially when I was, like, finishing up my, with my panel and I was no longer going to be with the company. They they lovingly, fondingly, you know, fondly joked with me about wanting a 14-page travel contingency plan. So that's mm-hmm. the type A in me. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Exactly. Very organized, efficient, effective. Yeah, absolutely. Very. Yeah. So I well, that's that's fantastic, and I and I love that you are speaking to I think hundreds of thousands of people that really feel like themselves kind of torn between um, being, you know, someone who is soft and light and exploring, you know, what it is to be aware and enlightened, and then also trying to balance that with you know, their work life and their organization skills and things like that. At least I definitely relate to you. Um, sure. And. Yeah, yeah. And so w- I was on your podcast last week, and uh, it was fantastic. Yeah. And I know that you, you're trying to change the conversation around, you know, so many issues, sexual assault, domestic violence, mental illness, substance abuse disorder, um, you know, different conversations around race, gender, sexuality, I, which, which I yeah. really appreciate. And I think everybody uh, needs more and more of that, at least to raise the stigma uh, of a lot of these things or, or raise awareness. Um, and so can you tell me how a little bit how this all got started for you? Um, I know that yoga has played a huge part in your spiritual awakening. Um, yeah. But can you tell us a little bit? Because, you know, it's nice for other people to hear how, how, how one changes their life in a positive way. Yes, totally. So like you mentioned, Erica, February 20, 2007, I took a yoga class, and I could not see what the big deal was about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A month later, I had a <laughs> significant spiritual awakening, a significant spiritual experience that changed the course of my life forever. And then six months after my first yoga class, I took another one. And I loved it. And it was like, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And Mm -hmm. I was just Mm -hmm. so overcome. And I really felt like I connected with the divine on my mat. 
and I couldn't get enough, and so I just read books, and I would, you know, go to the bookstore back when we really had, when we had them, and I ended up a year later as a certified yoga teacher. Wow. And from there, I definitely pursued, like, I'm a certified personal trainer, I'm a certified holistic health counselor, um, and I have multiple yoga teacher trainings, different levels. So I have three 200 hours. I have a 500 hour and I'm working on another 500 hour. Um, wow. Because it's digging deep into what I like, which is yoga anatomy and actually helping people because I'm a certified yoga therapist as well. And I teach trauma sensitive yoga. So oh, cool. with the trauma sensitive yoga, mm-hmm. that is one of the things that, you know, so many people have experienced trauma in their body. And it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be as nefarious as, like, sexual assault or sexual abuse. It can be be something like an automobile accident, right? A motor vehicle accident in which you have whiplash, right? Or you're Mm -hmm. T-boned or a car flips, which is what happened to me last May. And so the body hangs on to this trauma. And if we're not addressing the trauma... It stays within us. And mm-hmm. so I started a nonprofit to help people experience trauma-sensitive yoga as well as essential oils. And mm. so I remember when I was in California, um, probably not too far from you last summer. Mm-hmm. We didn't know each other then, but no. we do now and we'll meet one of these days. Exactly. And I remember getting the news that the Stanford student or former student who had raped an unconscious woman was getting like three months, essentially a slap on the wrist. And right, I, that young I, man. Mm-hmm. Yes. I have to be, I, I, at the time, the kind of languaging that I had around it was like a rape advocate. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, I knew um, as I was studying um, my pre-med studies, that it didn't make sense because I was going to be moving back home to Michigan to actually start pursuing training in -hmm. California. But as soon as I got to Michigan, I was going to explore working with survivors of sexual assault. And I am a volunteer at an amazing organization here in Washington County called Safe Health Center, and they provide free support and resources to survivors of sexual assault and domestic violence. And it's not um, gendered, meaning if there's a male victim, they will provide, they will receive free support and resources as well. So it's not just of, right. for women. Right. So, of course. And it's not, not, the um, only people. not right. Exactly. Yeah. It's not just um, binary, this gender either like, it's all inclusive, which is such a beautiful thing to me because everyone needs to feel supported, um, especially mm-hmm. in their darkest hour. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, can you tell us the name of the of the, the the place again? The facility you said that you of course at? it's it's Safe House Center. S A F E. Yep, Safe House. Okay, 
Safe House Center. Okay. Okay. I get it. Okay. Sorry. I couldn't hear before. Um, that's fantastic. Well, hats off to you guys that are, that are there and really putting the energy and time into, um, this kind of healing, which, you know, I've heard about this, the, the trauma sensitive yoga. And, and I actually mm-hmm. have a, had a client that, um, was just in the process of doing it from a lot of, you know, stored trauma, from childhood and then in her own addiction and own, you know, her own life uh, experiences. Like, like you said, there's so many different life, emotional life experiences that we do go through that we hold this somatically in our body. We, we, we're, we're tight in places. We are wounded in places that we haven't quite addressed and healed yet. And, and I think paying, I don't know, I don't know from, you can tell me because you're the expert here on this, but from paying attention to those or visualizing, um, those places in your body or where you're holding your anxiety or where you're feeling like your heart is broken. I mean, is that, is that like the, is the visualization part of, um, you know, the whole mind, body, spirit thing, healing or the holistic, Oh yeah, the, the whole, absolutely, okay. Erica. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I do, um, is I allow, uh, practitioners to start with an intention for them. Right. Mm-hmm, and whereas mm-hmm. in other classes, I will then move to someone else that can benefit from their love and life. And then I even move, take it one step further to human sandpaper, someone that <laughs> gets on your nerves that can benefit from love and life. With mm-hmm. trauma-sensitive yoga, I keep it just on them because this is about them. And mm-hmm. I want them to feel like this is a safe space for them to honor where they are in their body because a lot of times they, their body doesn't feel safe to them. I remember mm-hmm. I was involved in my accident May 7th and I can't tell you, and you know by driving in LA, there's so many hills and so when I got to LA, I relied on ways, but I call it Wazy, and it would kind of take me around traffic, but oftentimes mm-hmm. it would take me up like roller coaster-like hills, right? Mm-hmm. And I was terrified because my car left the roadway. It flipped on its side and ended up Mm. facing opposite traffic. Thank God it ended up on the side of the road and not in the roadway, like not on the freeway. Yeah, yeah. Sorry to hear about that. Definitely, thank you, believe that I was pretty terrified to drive. Like, it's not even been a year, and I still... I don't really, I never really love driving, but I really enjoy it less now um, Mm -hmm. because of that trauma, you know? And so, yes, I'm in a different vehicle. Yes, I know that I'm a careful driver. Yes, I don't think it's going to happen again. And at the same time, my body has imprinted that memory into my, you know, you know, it's imprinted. And so moving from the intention, right, um, I will do certain poses. Um, it's not a lot. It's not going to be a very vigorous class. Um, and the poses are going to be more therapeutic, more restorative, so that people feel safe again. And so mm-hmm. there are certain poses that it's important just to be mindful of because they're very vulnerable. So heart-opening poses are vulnerable for people. Um, mm-hmm. Something like a bridge where you're laying down flat and then your feet, are um, to the earth and your knees are bent and you lift your hips up into the air, 
that might feel a little vulnerable too, especially if someone's been the victim or the survivor of sexual assault or sexual abuse, right? Mm -hmm, Um, Because mm -hmm. you're lifting your hips up into the air into, you know, what may be seem unknown um, or unsafe. And so it's an opportunity for people who are practicing to reconnect with their bodies in a new way and determine what feels safe for them. So it's all about the difference between not enough and too much and kind of towing that line and learning more about who you are and what's healthy and safe for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that sounds so amazing. And, and I, and I know that, you know, a lot of clients that I have, I've talked to that have done this have really found it uh, just so healing and, and profoundly educational in ways which they probably have never dreamed of. So I encourage everybody out there that has experienced any kind of trauma, whether, you know, there, there's no sense in minimizing anything, you know, we've all gone through certain things to just explore and explore, you know, um, what somatic healing is, you know, kind of feel like looking, looking into, into your body and kind of feeling where you hold that emotion, which is also something where I think a lot of us don't, you know, maybe we're not totally aware of or don't, don't tend to on a daily basis. So thank you for, for sharing that. So can can you tell me a little bit about, um, the spiritual experience that you do talk about? Is, Is, are you okay to share that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. So I, what ended up happening was my life was going in a very unhealthy way. And I remember March 1st. So that's a significant day in my life, 2007. And so I remember March 1st and I remember getting my hair done and just not feeling well, spiritually, emotionally, physically, mentally, psychologically, all of it. And I, and it it was so telling that I was getting my hair done when I felt so broken and dead on the inside Mm -hmm. that I felt like my soul was dying, right? Mm -hmm. That I was getting my hair done, you know, Um, because it was always important for the outside to look good, never mind what the inside looked like. Mm -hmm. I needed you to think or know that I was okay. And I remember leaving the hairstylist. I lived in Las Vegas at the time. And I, and it's funny because I'm like, I found God in Vegas. And people are like, what? (laughs) I'm like, it's a long story, but it's super awesome. So if you want to hear it, I'm open to sharing, you know? And so I remember driving from the Strip to North Las Vegas. I actually lived in North Las Vegas. So it was a little bit out. And Erica, I had every single red light seriously every single red light because i didn't like to drive on the freeways at the time Mm -hmm. and for me that was the divine saying you need to stop you need to stop living your life the way you're living it Mm -hmm. because if you don't stop you are going to die and i was like whoa you know um Mm -hmm. i didn't really know where that came from i hadn't really felt like I had a relationship with God for such a long time, even though my sweet dad is a pastor and my mom is an amazing woman and they are people of faith and they're people of faith every day of the week, not just on Sundays. Mm -hmm. Um, And they love people of faith from all faiths. Our home is very like progressive and inclusive. And I, and I just 
love that, you know. And so my parents did what they could in terms of attempting to shed some light and help me understand some faith and have some of my own. Yet I felt like God turned God's back on me, and when, and then I realized it was me who turned. And so after that, I connected with the community, and we um, have like-minded people, and we just, you know, connect and talk about spiritual things. And, and that was 10 years ago, and um, wow. it has opened up my eyes so many different things where I see more of the wounded now, and I see more of the people that are othered and that sit on the sidelines that are unseen, considered unworthy, and my heart goes out to them because, you know, I am you, you are me, there are no mm-hmm. others. Um, mm-hmm. There's no us versus them. So the sooner I can get behind, and it's, and it's been a struggle lately, um, this way of thinking, um, especially when I've had people like personally attacking me, um, questioning some of my own uh, values and morals, you know, and still I remain um, unfettered, right, because I know that I'm being directed and I have a passion and a purpose, um, Mm -hmm. and the divine is directing me, and I'm crystal clear about that, so it doesn't really matter what people think. Um, I mean, it's nice when we get along, and it's nice when we can support one another. Um, Mm -hmm. I still think that you would do what you do, even if say I didn't support it. I mean, I do, but, you know, Mm -hmm, for the sake mm -hmm, of argument, you know, because that's what you're called to do. And this is mm-hmm. what I'm called to do is to, you know, speak out and have some of these difficult conversations and, and invite people in because it's like, um, I remember when I was broken and I remember when I wanted to die and I remember when um, I thought that life could not get any worse. Um, and today, even with challenges, life is really, really amazing and pretty full. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. I'm grateful, you know. Right. I was just going to say, it sounds very much uh, the, of a, like it's a practice of gratitude now to realize that. I always say to, you know, my clients that some people would want your worst days right now. So let's all just be grateful and let's all remember that also like you know which is another saying but it's like we all have prayed for better days and now if you're really out of at least in my line of work the throes of addiction and I'm helping young people recover from from you know alcoholism drug addiction food addiction gambling addiction all these all these things that that create a distraction in our lives and cause really negative consequences and then we we're, we're out of it at least we're working on to continue to stay out of it at least that's where I at with my clients I always just try to to really remind them of 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 the practice of gratitude and especially it's a chapter in my book rewired and it's something that that helped me um, continue to stay grounded and centered and uh, humbled and I just think that it, you know it's talked about a lot but but how many people really put it into practice on a daily basis yeah. and, and and I always you know I'd love to ask you what you, what your practice is in that and, and there's no right or wrong way I mean for me I just mm-hmm. before I go to bed I kind of list you know thinking thinking the energy the God that I believe in and then I you know during the in the mornings too I'll have a moment but what what is it that is there anything that you could share that that you recommend for your clients and people you work with and maybe something you do absolutely I am a firm believer in gratitude list 
Um, I love putting pen to paper. I love mm-hmm. reading them. So the people I work with, they'll send me gratitude lists and pictures of their gratitude lists. And I love it. You know, um, mm-hmm. I do a gratitude list, uh, especially when I wouldn't say it's a regular at this point in my life. Um, mm-hmm. It's not a daily thing. It is definitely when I am feeling the pinch of myself and I'm rubbing against myself because if I'm not the problem, there is no solution. So if I'm mm-hmm. irritated, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's usually me, right? Even if yeah. someone did something, I got to look at me. And so right. one thing that my loving life coach has taught me is, you know, gratitude is an action word. So, and you know this, you know, we can say all day long we're grateful, but if I'm not living it, well, mm-hmm. then it's just words, right? I, and I love so that. What I, what I love to do is with a gratitude list, I will find the action behind it. So if I say that I'm grateful for my car, then my maintenance required light is on. Mm-hmm. My maintenance re- required light is on right now. So in order to demonstrate that gratitude, I need to get over to Toyota and have them take a look and see if there's anything that needs to be maintained. Right? right. So that's not, the action behind that. I love that. Right? I love that. Yeah. Not procrastinating it. That's so wonderful. Not procrastinating, you know. And then even yeah. with my yoga practice, really quickly, it's just being grateful for my body and that I can yeah. move it, you know, and doing my very best not to compare uh, that's so that's so important too. I I hope everybody hears that just to to love yourself for for what you are and who you are and stop stop comparing. And if social media is making you crazy, then get off of it and and and, get, right. and don't follow don't follow people that you compare yourself with. Oh my God, Shadima, I could talk to you for for hours on end. And thank you so I much know. for being being with me today. I want to just tell everybody where to find you. Uh, you could find okay. her at, at on her website thetypeahippie.com. So that's thetypeahippie.com, right? And then Twitter at Chidima Ozar. It's, it's C-H-I-D-I-M-M-A-O-Z-O-R. And uh, thank you so much for being with me today. You're listening to Rewired Radio on Radio MD. I'm Erica Spiegelman. Thank you all for joining us and stay well.